Hello, everyone. Welcome to this week's Tri-County Podcast. May today's sermon inspire and encourage the heart all the more as you see the day approaching. This morning we're going to be over in the book of Joshua, uh, which is a great book, tells a, a part of the story of God's great people, the Israelites. Uh, you know, they were people just like us uh, with their uh, failures, their shortcomings, their success stories, their victories, uh, their many gifts, their talents, um, you name it. Uh, whatever they have, we have it also. Uh, but one of the, the, the unique things about their journey is that uh, as they walk with God, they're kind of like at the beginning of God's plan. Uh, almost hate to say, you know, they're kind of the guinea pigs of <laughs> Of, of what we are living out now, you know, uh, God back then, uh, as he does now, takes sin seriously, uh, but he tended to take, uh, I should say, deal with it more abruptly then. It was like, okay, we're just cutting it off. We're, we're done. It's kind of like, you know, if, if your eye calls you to sin, pluck it out. If your arm, your hand calls you to sin, cut it out. That's kind of what God was doing back then. Like, we just done. Uh, we we getting it out. It's got to go. Um, but we have the privilege of living under, I should say, a more gracious grace right now and so god doesn't just immediately say i'm just gonna cut you off right now because you, you know you're bad to the flock uh but god is like i'm, I'm gonna work with you a little bit i want to work with you because I, I want you to survive and i want you to live and i want you to thrive but uh, i want to open up here i want to read out of joshua chapter six i'm going to read a, a passage here she said scripture here out of joshua chapter six and uh let me get my um looking, looking for my there it is Use my phone this morning. Um, I keep reminding myself I just need to get a large print Bible. You know how you got that favorite Bible, but you just hold on to it and you don't want to let it go. But the print has gotten too small and you're not acknowledging that your eyes are aging. And But you're like, I can still see like a young man. And uh, <laughs> and you just get to hold on. I was like, man, I can't use that Bible this morning. So I got my handy dandy uh, phone out and I said, a digital Bible, at least I can pinch it and make it a large or whatever. But uh God is just saying, look, you know, I don't know how long you're going to do this, but you need to get a large print Bible. It should be easy on your ass. But uh, over in um, Joshua uh, chapter 6, in, uh, verse 18 is where I'm going to read at. Let me go here right now. Um, so these guys have just finished up a campaign of uh, routing, we should say, Jericho and bringing down the walls of Jericho. Uh, just following God's command uh, about what they needed to do. But this particular scripture I want to focus on because it's going to really set up uh, where we're going here. God points out something to them as they're going into the city, as they're about to walk in and really take possession of Jericho. And in Joshua chapter 6, verse 18, here's a warning from God. God says, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. He says, otherwise you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. He says, all the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must not go into, and must go into his treasure. So I want to start right there and just, just kind of, See this format that God has, has laid out for the nation. And uh, 
you know, God starts out by warning him. He says, okay, look, when you go in, say, here's a couple of things. You need, you need to keep away from the devoted things. He says, because he says, if, if you mess around, you take these things or you try to take possession of it for yourself, not only is it going to cause trouble for you, but for the rest of the camp that you're living in, for the rest of the community that you're involved in, that you're, that you're thriving in, for anybody else that, who is associated with you. So the warning has been laid out. God has laid out what they can do and what they can't do. And to us looking backwards, we're saying, well, this should just be easy. But God reminds us, above all, a man's heart is deceitful. Who can really understand it? I tell you, man, the path to fight your own heart is something else. But God says, stay away from the devoted things. You know, one thing I want to talk about in, in this warning, God is making it clear that if you violate it and, and, and take the devoted things for yourself, there's some sin that will be happening. Sin will begin to unfold. And I want you to understand that the sin of, of disobedience is destructive in what God is saying. It's destructive to uh, our own being. It's destructive to our soul and to our relationship with God. That's what God is saying out here. You know, the sin of disobedience not only holds us liable for anything that we've done wrong, but also those around us if it affects them. He says, we can learn from sin we can learn to avoid sin. And under God's grace and his guidance, we can learn to overcome sin. But we have to want to overcome. We have to want to learn things that we need to avoid that are harmful to our walk with God as we follow Jesus. You know, the only good that can come from your experience of dealing with sin is that you learn to treat it like a hot stove a hot oven, a hot iron, or a hot pot. Man, what does all these have in common? If you live long enough, you have experienced them being burnt by one of these things. And it's not a great feeling. They say put butter on it, but I'm thinking butter's just cooking it. That's why it's blistering it up. <laughs> they, say, they say put ice on it. And I don't think ice really helps it anymore. You know, it, maybe they should have said milk. You know, we've all grew up where, you know, you get all these hot food, hot sauces, they say put milk in there because milk does something to it. But we know not to what? Touch it again. We learned that experience. I think when you look at a child who's maybe like two or like three, four, five, they, they seem to remember that. They seem to acknowledge that, grab hold of like, uh-uh, that's bad. I don't want nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. When they learn one time, they're like, no. But we as older adults, I don't know what it is, we forget that to God we're still children, but we tend to like, well, I'm not going to let this beat me. I'm, I'm going to figure out how to manage and deal with it. So I'm going to go. I want to control it. I'm determined to go at the expense of getting burnt again. I don't know why we like that. You know, but we need to treat sin like these things that are hot. Hot things are not meant to touch our skin like that. They are harmful. They blister and they scar us for life. I still have some burnt scars. I have scars from falling on bikes and everything, all other things. Um, you know, going forward, you know, we, we should make it a point not to allow ourselves to be burned again. Uh, this is the same with sin. You know, after you have taste, tasted the destructive rewards of sin, you seek to stay away from it. You should seek to run from it. You should seek to, as the Bible says, flee from sin. That should be our mentality, our heart. Sin is not only self-inflicted, as God is pointing out here in Joshua, but he said it is also self-destructive to your relationships. Sin can destroy 
relationships with family, friend, the church, and God itself. We just don't need to take sin so lightly. And I think as we continue to live, we, we kind of get lax. We get comfortable. And we feel like it's not a big deal. But sin is very destructive in our walk and walk in this life. Question, how do you take your relationship? How seriously do you take your relationship with God? You have to ask yourself that. How seriously do I take my relationship with God? How serious is it? How do I view my walk with Jesus? Do I value my time with the Holy Spirit? It's amazing. God has assigned everybody a, a specific task and a position in his divinely ministry to assist us. God wants you to take him seriously. He just does. God says, take me seriously. Because God says, I take you seriously. Seriously enough that I gave up Jesus for you for just a moment. You know, how do you do your walk with Jesus? Do you enjoy that walk? You feel like you're getting out of breath at time trying to keep up with Jesus. <laughs> do you wish Jesus would stop doing a power walk and like just grab a bench somewhere Jesus and that's all? How do you view that walk with Jesus? Is it strengthening? Is it helping the body? You know, is it helping the soul? Is it helping the mind? Does walking with Jesus strengthen your ministry, your very fight, your very spirit that is within you? You know, we all know as we get older and really young, it doesn't matter. Uh, as we face health issues, it is pointed out that the best exercise that we can do is what? Walk. I've done the push-ups. I've done the boot camp. I've done the jumping jacks. I've done all that stuff. And the physical therapy tell me, she said, where are you going to use that mess at? I never forget. She said, where are you going to use it at? It's all that trauma up and down is harmful to your knees, the elbow and everything. But it said walking is the best thing you can do because it really helps strengthen the body, preserves the body a little longer. Walking with Jesus strengthens the soul and it helps preserve the spirit a little longer while you're here on earth. But it also sets up the soul to live in eternity forever with God. Do you value your time with his Holy Spirit? The great counselor that God sent to us. Do you sit and make time to listen to God's Holy Spirit and what it's telling you? Or do you just simply avoid the Spirit and do what you want to do? And after the fact, when things have gone wrong, you're like, Lord, I need help. And I only can imagine that God is saying, I don't know why you asked me for help now. You didn't listen to me in the first place. But of course, in life, we've dealt with, that, we've dealt with that through other people or through parenting. You know, building a closeness, building a closeness, uh, closeness with God involves obedience. Every day, you and I must train our mind, our heart, and our soul to embrace God's format, God's blueprint for what our lives are supposed to look like. And what it's supposed to look like is the image of obedience. That's what it's supposed to look like, simple image of obedience. But like our forefathers, four sisters, four brothers, long, long ago, before we were ever even a dot on God's drawing board or even created in our mother's womb, we, like Israel, uh, we can struggle with God's format, <laughs> with God's plan for our life to be obedience children. 
So with all that being said, we're going to look at Joshua 7. These guys are fresh off of victory. And pick it up in Joshua chapter 7. And remember, God gave them this warning. But Joshua chapter 7, verse 1, let me get there. It says, the Israelites were unfaithful. Wait a minute, what was happening here? Hold on. It says, they were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Ashan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. Oh, no, he didn't. He just took some of the devoted things. He has gotten off track. So the Lord anger burned, not just against him, but against the whole nation. Wow. Verse 2 says, Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth-Avon, to the east of Bethel, and told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. Now you have to realize that Joshua did this, and he's not knowing that one amongst his company has, guess what, violated God's rule. He has stolen from God. It's not worse than having a plan. You have a group, you have a plan, you're trying to get something to happen, and somebody in the group decides to go rogue and do their own thing. And it has a ripple effect on us. And that happens in jobs. That happens in sports. That happens in family, group activity, you name it. And it just has a bad effect. But anyway, Joshua was going with business as usual. And it says, when they returned to Joshua, they said, not all the army will have to go up against AI. Send two or 3,000 men to take it. And do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. Such confidence, such confidence, but not knowing what has happened to them, not knowing what has happened in the nation or the violation against God. It says, um, verse 4, it says, so about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Wow. You know, first point, guys, when you disobey. Mm. It has such a rippling effect. When you disobey or, or when you sin, you know. What you do, believe it or not, affects others. It just does. What you do, it just it affects others. You may think it don't, but it does. You know, if you have a friend, they will be affected. If you have family, they're definitely going to be affected. Man, the church will be affected. The co-workers will be affected. God himself will be affected and offended. You know, we like to think that the choices we make will only affect us. But our choices are a ripple effect that spreads throughout to everyone in our circle. That's what we got to realize. It affects everyone in our circle. You know, Sean made a decision that he thought only affected him, assuming it would not hurt nobody. But apparently when the speech was being given to the nation about don't take none of the border things, don't steal from God, apparently he wasn't listening. Or if he was, he just refused to believe that anything would happen. You know, Joshua, fresh off of the hills of a victory in Jericho, he's excited. Guys, let's go take AI. God has promised to us. The spies go out and say, oh, you need 3,000 men. You're thinking 3,000 men, that's a lot of people. 
That's a big church movement. They're going to go take it. But because of the sin of one amongst them, 3,000 men couldn't do nothing. 36 lost their lives. Mm. You see, your disobedience can harm others mentally, causing severe trauma. It can. People sometimes don't get over stuff. They fall into depression. It's just that harmful to people. You know, it can be spiritually harmful to the soul. You know, Galatians 5.13, as I've been quoting one of my memory scriptures, says, you know, it says, uh, so my brothers and sisters, you are called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve each other humbly in love. Sean looked to himself. He didn't look to the nation of Israel. He didn't think about their well-being. He thought about himself and what he can gain from it. But his decision was harmful to Israel. You know, you and I, we must be mindful to obey God. We just got to be mindful. It's all we always got to have it in thought. It's got to be in our mind to be obedient to God, his instruction, his format, his plan for our life. God wants you and I to live life. He wants us to experience life. He wants us to enjoy life to the full. But he wants us to do it within his guidelines and not outside of his format or his blueprint for our life. Um, you must be mindful to obey God by staying close to God. How close are you to him these days? What does your closeness with God look like these days? What does your quiet time look like? What is your time with one another discipling time? What does your prayer time look like? I mean, there was a time that, that people would stay in prayer for longer than five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. We just enjoyed those times of praying and talking with God and putting it all out there about what's going on with me. But now, because of society, we can kind of get going real busy. And we like, well, God, I give you a five-minute prayer in the car. Well, for as long as I'm driving, I give you a, five, a prayer. And although that is a great way to connect, but staying close to God sometimes means that's shutting all things off. It means it's shutting everything down, setting aside that time, whether it be an hour or so, just so you can have meaningful conversation with God. The more that you pray, it's the closer you get to God. The more that you get in your word to seek and understand what God's plan is, what God has done in the past, and what God is doing now, and what God is expected to do in the future, will draw you closer to God. If you are unwilling to be mindful of God, you would never know what it's like to be close to God. You know, when you are not close to God, you will disobey. We have to fight for closeness like never, never before. You know, back over here in um, Joshua, so these guys have been routed. Um, their plans have been thwarted. Uh, they're kind of in a bad situation right now. But in verse 6, Joshua, it says, Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same, and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring the people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites, to destroy us? 
If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemy? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then? What then will you do for your own great name? You know, the, the, the ripple effects of sin uh, can cause emotional distress. Um, you know, your conversations can become foolish and the trouble that sin brings can have you looking backwards, looking into the past and have you saying that the good old days were better. Joshua's like, why did you bring us across the Jordan? It was much better over there. Why did you bring us over here to be destroyed? Why did you bring us over here to be defeated? Why did you bring us over here to be talked bad about, about the other communities and nations around us? He even questions God and say, well, what about your name? What are they going to say about your name, God? Why would you do this? You know, verse 10, 11, 12, and I'm sure somebody says, the Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing on your face? I love God. God said, okay, Joshua, look, okay, what's going on here? Tell him, what are you doing on your face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things they have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore unless you destroy whatever among you is devoted to the destruction. I bet it never occurred to Joshua to think that somebody did wrong in a tribe. Because if you look at this conversation, you want to eat question God. God, why did you bring us out here? Why did you bring us out here to be destroyed? To talk about why do you bring here to bring your name, have your name spirit? In other words, conversations sound like God, this is your fault, your fault, your fault, your fault, God. But I bet it never occurred to him to think like, God said, if we do this, there's gonna be destruction. And this whole time of emotional distress, he never thought, did somebody in the tribe do something wrong? That's the only way this can happen. You know, sometimes we're like that. Sometimes the sin or the wrong that we're in or the bad things that are happening in our life, we think that there's got to be other reasons. Other people are at fault here, or God's not answering a prayer, or guess what? There's no way I could have done anything wrong. But a lot of times, the obvious sin uh, that, that is obvious in our life, we tend to ignore it. The wrong, the trouble, the trials that we're going through, if we would just slow down, look, realize, I caused this. I caused, nobody has been, I caused this to happen in my life. But like Joshua, we don't think that way. We think somebody else is to blame for this. It's got to be somebody else. There is no way that it's not me. You know, a lot of times, you know, we fail because we don't look at the imperfections in ourselves. We really fail a lot of times in our walk with God because we don't look at the imperfections in ourselves. And we fail a lot of times in our relationships with others because we don't forgive them for their imperfections. To identify sin, we have to sometimes just stop, think, and look and see where the problem really is at. 
But I love God. God comes to Joshua. You say, why are you down here in the face? Why are you in the dirt? I just want to know what, what, what's going on here. What's happening? And he reminds Joshua. He says, hey, you remember the thing I told you over there when he was over in Jericho? That, you know what, hey, if you guys take it as a devoted thing, that to that person, that person's going to be held liable. And also, the nation is going to be liable. He's like, hey, wake up. Aha. Uh -huh. I'm telling you that. And so going forward, I'm going to skip that a little bit, but going forward, so after him and Joshua has this conversation, he says, Joshua, this is what you're going to have to do. Because everybody needs to know that I am God, and I want them to take me seriously like I take them seriously. He said, you need to get everybody to consecrate themselves and prepare them for a big family, family group meeting. And then we're going to go down from, guess what, from tribe to tribe, family to family, nation to nation, until we narrow down who the person is. Man, God wants you to know that he is serious about you, that he is serious about sin, and that sin cannot exist in his camp. God wants you to know. You know, I remember, most of you may not know this, but I remember, look, I'm, I'm about to go back to Joshua, have a glory day moment. In the church, when there was sin, you had to come before the church. And you had to confess that sin before the church. I don't care if it was 10 or 100,000. You had to confess that sin. And when I look at scriptures like this, I look at God's word about this is exactly what God's doing. He's bringing everybody together because the person who's guilty is going to come before that and say, look, this has got to come out. But I understand why God is doing this because God wants, number one, he wants the church to know sin is serious. It is harmful to the body. It's harmful to our relationship. Sin is destructive. It's also a warning to the group to say, guess what? You need to keep yourself from sin as much as possible. You need to fight. When you see sin, you need to stay away from it. When you, when you think you're about to be in a sin, you need to flee from it. You need to help others to realize the danger that sin can cause in their life. God is getting the group together. He's like, we're going to have a big powwow over the sin, but I'm going to show you how I deal with sin. Because the consequences of sin is destruction. The consequences of sin is death. Jump over to Joshua, verse 19. So he's got everybody together. He's narrowed it down. And it comes down to our guy, who we mentioned several times, Ashan. And in verse 19, he says, then Joshua said to Ashan, my son, give glory to God, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me, what have you done? Do not hide it from me. Ashan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonian, 200 shekels of silver, and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They are hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all the Israel, with all Israel, took Ashan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys, and sheep, his tent, and all that he had to the valley of 
ashore. Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him. And after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Ashan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, the place has been called the Valley of Ashur ever since. Finally, guys, don't take sin lightly. Just can't. Just can't. You know that some may think this is harsh. Man, what's happened? But God warned. God warned that this would be the punishment. God warned that this would be the judgment. You know, some may think this is a harsh judgment, but let's not, uh, but let's look at the ripple effect, the actions uh, that Ashan did that he had on Israel, but also that he had on his family. He clearly and willfully violated the covenant with God. He purposely did that. And because he did that, it brought a curse on the nation. They could not win. They could not win the battle. He is responsible for the death of 36 men. It should have not happened if he would have not stolen from God. God warned him, if you steal, not only are you going to be punished, but the nation will be held accountable for it. He brought defeat to Israel, but he also brought, he also brought death to himself and his family, his sons and his daughters, his kids, because of his actions. For a few trinkets, all for a few trinkets. Um, you know, stealing from God is a no-no. It's a big no-no. Malachi reminds us of that. It's a, you know, don't, don't steal from the Lord. It's a big no-no. Taking sin lightly is a big no-no. God reminds us of that constantly. We have reminded people of that constantly. It's a big no-no. Going back on your word with God is a big no-no. Ecclesiastes reminds us of that. You know, the consequences of sin is death. Whether it was abrupt and on the spot back then, or rather in our time is, guess what? You get to live a full life. But at the end, we all have to give an account to God. Rather or not, we get to live forever in eternity or taste the sting of death forever in eternity. Who wants to die over and over, yet knowing that you can't die? You just suffer. Who wants that? You know, the actions of our sin affects more than you and I. That's one thing God wants us to get here. The action of our sin affects more than just you and I. And we have to look at sin that way. But we also have to see the good that God is doing here for the tribe. Um, God wants you to know that he wants you to be successful, that you can be successful, that you are destined for success if you will obey and run from sin. God wants you to know that any disciple that you walk with, any person that you are planting seeds and watering, any disciple that you are encouraging, lifting up, praying with, praying for, God said you can't be successful if you would just stay away from sin and obey. God wants you to know that he wants you and that anonymous word, obedience, to become best friends. And you and that other word that seems to be anonymous sin to create a further and further distance from one another. 
You know, our covenant with God, it exists in a grace. When you get some time, take time to thank God for grace. Because your kid have been born and been walking with Joshua. And to really grab hold of that, think about all the mess that you've done so far in life. Would you have made it as far as a Sean? Or would you have been gone before you even crossed the Jordan? You have to think that God has allowed you and I to be born in a grace where God says, I'm going to be a little bit more patient with you because I want you to make it. I want you to be successful because I know that you can be successful. But God says, I give you free will. So it's up to you whether you're going to entertain sin or are you going to form an allegiance with obedience? He says, that's your choice. That's your choice. But just be assured that if you decide to align with sin, he said the same fate that awaited Sean will be the same fate that awaits you also. It's that God removed his fierce anger. He pulled back. Nobody likes nobody when they're angry at them. We don't like nobody to be angry at us all. It hurts my heart when somebody's upset with me. I mean, I just like, God, this is painful. Like, Lord, what can I do to make it right? That's just how I am. And I think all of us are the same way. We don't like when nobody is upset with us. Anybody's angry with us. It's just, it's, just, it's just hurting. It pierces. God doesn't like being upset with us, and we should not like God being upset with us either. But let's be like Joshua. Let's just be fired up for God. Let's be spiritually, let's be mentally, and let's be emotionally connected with God. Let's embrace God's blueprint. I mean, blueprint. Let's embrace God's plan, his format for our life. Let's realize the plan that God has for us begins with obedience. You can sacrifice and serve all the people you want. But if we are not good at obedience, we are actually doing nothing. We're not making no ground. We're not gaining no traction. So I want to encourage everybody today as we begin to close out here today is to not take your sin lightly. Beware of the sin that wants to take you and overcome you. Realize the sin that if you are indulging or if you fall into sin, it has a ripple effect. It not only is going to affect you, but it's going to affect everybody else who is close to you. Even those who may have not made a decision to make Jesus Lord their life. Make it your point to take God seriously. You like to be taken seriously on certain things. Make it your point to take God seriously on this. Abstain from sin. Draw close to obedience. And walk faithfully with Jesus. Thank you for tuning into our podcast. We hope that the message has blessed you tremendously. Please join us for our next episode as we continue to strive to honor God with our lives.